0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my very special guest, Rookie of the Year candidate, Casey McElroy, Rookie Loan Originator with Waterstone Mortgage in his first full year. Check this out, in his first full year in the mortgage industry. 23 million dollars in volume closed casey how many families was that how many units did you produce in 2020
1: i think it was 87
0: 87 units full disclosure casey entered the industry first quarter of 2019 but literally this was his first job since retiring from professional baseball dude didn't even know how to use microsoft outlook Let alone, did he know there's a T in mortgage? And I asked Casey to come on and be today's guest, A, because he's a top producer, but he's doing astonishing numbers in in record time. So Casey, thank you for taking 30 minutes out of your busy schedule to come and share your experiences with me and as well as the audience. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So um, I'm going to jump right into it. 23 million, 86 units, 87 units? I think 87. 87 units. Um, Looking back on that. Oh, by the way, uh, how many assistants do you have? Uh, You're looking at them. (laughs) Oh, okay. So you are the assistant. um, Team of one. Yep. Team of one. That's fantastic. No, so here's what I want to do. So we have, um, throughout last year, we brought on various top producers and I picked their brain. But we've never had someone come on as a top producer and also have been in the business for less than two years, right? I I did in your intro, um,
1: 2020 was your first full year. When did you enter the mortgage industry? Um, So I entered it uh, January 28th of 2019 and kind of got everything started, you know, beginning, middle of February 2019. So
0: we make a joke of it, but had you ever used Microsoft Outlook prior to coming to work at waterstone mortgage
1: no I, I literally hadn't and i don't even think i've opened it up um you know i was just a, a gmail guy um but yeah, it was a whole new world because w- what was your background <laughs> um i played professional baseball uh, with the san diego padres for um about seven years and um after i got done playing i went back to school and um, finished my degree and had no idea what I wanted to do um, with my life. You know, I went back as a 28-year-old senior, um, you know, which got a lot of weird looks in the classroom, but, uh, you know, I, I knew that I, you know, wanted to control my own destiny and wanted to find something that, um, you know, I could do that, and, um, you know, that's kind of how I got into it.
0: Yeah, like many of us, you didn't go to college thinking, oh, gosh, I can't wait to become a mortgage banker
1: right yeah i didn't even know what a mortgage was you know like like your intro i didn't know there was a t in it um you know it was something i was very unfamiliar with um you know but meeting with uh, david holbrook who is one of my um, former high school baseball coaches and david's
0: in the mortgage industry as well
1: yeah yep and uh he kind of told me about it we had lunch and um he was asking you know what i wanted to do with my life you know now that i had finished college and stuff and um, I told him I really, I didn't know. Um, you know, I was interviewing with a bunch of different companies and stuff, but it was
0: Out of curiosity, do you remember what type of jobs they were that you're interviewing for? Like, were they accounting jobs or they
1: sales jobs? Um, mostly sales jobs, Okay, but, um, so you knew for the most part you wanted to go into sales. Yeah. I, I knew that that was the best route for me to, you know, kind of, you know, make more money and kind of have some more control over, you know, my own destiny and that kind of thing. Um, however, a lot of those jobs, you know, they were, you know, starting you at X amount of salary, and hey, if you work really hard, you know, in five to six years, you know, we'll boost it up, you know, five thousand or something like that. And so, getting started a little later in the game, you know, being my first job, you know, coming out of college when I'm 28, 29 years old, you know, I wanted a little bit, you know, something more than that. Um,
0: well, because you were rich, you were a professional baseball <laughs> player, and you were making millions of dollars uh, playing professional baseball,
1: right? Yeah, not not so much. In oh, the, no? In the minor leagues, you, uh, you know, you get a bus ticket and a ham sandwich, you know, you're making, you know, pennies, and you only get paid during the season. So in the offseason, you know, um, a lot of us, like, I worked valeting cars, giving baseball lessons, you know, kind of anything that I could do in the offseason to – you know, earn keep, a little bit of money. Keep the lights on. Right. Exactly. Keep the lights
0: on. No, I, I had buddies that I grew up with told stories like, yeah, you know, playing professional baseball is awesome. Um, we share a two-bedroom apartment. I'm like, oh, you and your roommate? Like, no, me and my five roommates. There's yeah. six of us in a two-bedroom <laughs> apartment. Exactly. You're, um, you're bunking up. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So you, you didn't come into this um, flush with cash and you're like, yeah, I just need something to do. You came into this saying, holy crap, I'm 28, 29 years old. I finally graduated from college, and I now need to enter the working world. What am I going to do? But you were intrigued. I think this is good for the audience to know. You were intrigued by the opportunity to write your own paycheck. You get to fill out your own W-2 as long as you're willing to take on the responsibility of all the hard work that it takes to get there.
1: Exactly. And that was something that, you know, in a lot of cases is very scary, you know, for people, like nothing's guaranteed. Um, But, you know, having that background of playing minor league baseball, it's something that, you know, you control your own destiny as well. Um, You know, you see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel where like, you know, if you make it to the major leagues, you know, the minimum salary up there is over 500,000. And so you're playing in the minor leagues and working your way up and, you know, it's kind of on you, you know, in the off season, if you don't want to work hard or get better, you know, there's a good chance you get cut in spring training or throughout the year. So it was something that I was kind of used to, you know, having that responsibility of like, okay, I control my own destiny. And so I think that kind of helped me, you know, enter into this business.
0: So that's a little bit of a background of of Casey McRoy, how he came to the mortgage industry. I want to jump into your mindset, right? And if you can think about now almost two years ago now, right? Two years ago, you made that decision that although you don't know how to use Outlook, you're going to jump feet first, head first into the mortgage industry. Uh, You found a company, the company believed in you, you believed in the company, which I think is paramount for anyone, uh, really in any industry. Um, What did you do early on that you're so grateful that you did? And then conversely, what did you do early on that if you could go back and talk to yourself two years ago,
1: you would say, Casey, stay away from that? Um, I think early on, you know, because I knew nothing about the business, it was, you know, first and foremost to just learn it, you know, learn everything I can about the business and going through, uh, you know, the training, learning, um, what did you use for your training? Um, Zenics. Okay. um, went through Zenix program. I think it was, it took me a month, um, month and a half maybe to kind of finish that. And then, you know, outside of that, um, I went on Amazon and ordered Several books um, to kind of learn not only you know the x's and o's of guidelines, but also the approach to you know how successful um, loan officers um, have built their business and kind of what they did early on to um, you know grow it and start it and that kind of thing. Do you remember the names of those books? And and were the books mortgage specific? Um, I remember the name of one. It was uh, How to Become a Salesman in. Uh, 30 days, I think. it was. Okay,
0: so that wasn't necessarily mortgage specific. That was just anyone who's in a a sales profession,
1: right? Okay. And then I listened to like other podcasts, you know, to kind of learn, you know, what, you know, successful LOs have done in the past to um, grow their business and that kind of thing. And so early on, I really just wanted to dive in learn as much as I can. So that, you know, when I meet with uh, realtors or builders, you know, I have a good foundation, you know, for what I'm talking about a little bit. And, um, you know, from there, it's just a matter of building relationships with, um, you know, those business partners and stuff. And I think having a baseball background and, um, you know, being more or less a captain at, at Auburn, stuff like that, it kind of helped me communicate with people. Um, And I was never, you know, the loudest person in the room. I was fairly quiet. You know, I told you when you interviewed me that I was more of an introvert Um, and so, you know, I had the approach of, you know, let me show you as opposed to let me tell you. So, um, you know, I kind of took that, you know, with the, uh, the meetings and stuff that I would have with realtors and, you know, look, just give me a chance and let me show you, you know, kind of what I can do and how well I take care of your clients and stuff. And, um, you know, I think that also, you know, our, our one-on-ones that, We, you know, have had, you know, every week, um, you know, have helped as far as, you know, how to overcome objection, you know, how to work through different problems, um, the right things to say, um, as well as just, you know, kind of being myself and building relationships with um, realtors, you know, on a personal level, um, because throughout the process of, you know, a transaction, like you're talking with them all the time. So it's important that you connect, you know, on a personal level as well.
0: So let me... um kind of circle back and summarize the way that I heard it. Uh, correct me if I'm not hearing this right, but what you would recommend to someone who maybe is in your shoes today or looking to, to follow in your footsteps is get yourself some training. You use Xenix's ground school, took you roughly four to six weeks to complete because uh, I'm well, I know because we work together. You didn't just do Xenix, meaning you weren't doing that eight, 10 hours a day. You were probably doing that three to five hours a day, Uh, but that laid the foundation, but that wasn't enough for you. You went out on your own, you purchased a couple books on either how to become a good sales professional, how to become a good mortgage professional or a loan officer. And then you still consumed uh, by listening to podcasts or watching YouTube videos, and you found yourself a mentor. Like you were alluding to the the meetings that you and I would have, and we did that um, for the audience, I did that with Casey and two other younger people in their in their careers where they would come in and they'd spend an hour with me. Uh, they sought me out and they did, um, it was like a, a kind of a, a mentorship where we didn't have a set schedule. I wasn't holding you all accountable. We just talked to the industry. Um, you can do that with your sales manager, your branch manager, but you can do it with a complete stranger. You know, you can reach out to a complete stranger in your marketplace, offer to buy them coffee or, or lunch, and then just pick their brain about their experiences Uh, for the the sole goal that you can um, lessen the length of your bell curve, right? I mean, you you want your your trajectory to to see more or to seem more like a hockey stick uh, versus maybe a slow growing anthill or or a small mountain. You know, something else that you did that um, I think is worth sharing. You also started collaborating with other like-minded professionals in your office where you spearheaded um, the way that I understand it, the way that I've witnessed it, you spread it like a bit of a mastermind, but you only included those that were in their first two years of their, of their career, right? You guys mm-hmm. purposefully left off anyone that had 10 plus years experience or five plus years experience. What was the thought process behind that?
1: The thought process was, you know, there was a, uh, it started off with just three of us and we all kind of started at the same, you know, at the same point And, you know, we were all going through the same thing, you know, the same growing pains, experiencing some of the same issues. Um, And so we wanted to get together, you know, once every other week and just kind of share, you know, things that we were going through or, you know, how we overcame certain situations or, you know, maybe a cool tip that we learned, um, you know, in the most recent, you know, week or so. And, you know, just kind of talk through different things because, um, you know, it's one thing to, seek out a mentor, someone who's been in the business for a long time, but, um, they're not necessarily going through the same things that, that we were. So that was a chance just for us to kind of talk shop and and learn about, you know, what other people, um, you know, are doing to make them, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what problems they're coming up with, how we fix them, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of how it started. Yeah, in a
0: way, misery loves company. Right. I mean, your, your first year or two in the industry isn't necessarily the most fun, and it's nice to surround yourself with people who can actually empathize with you, um, as well as I think as a competitor, which most people who do well in this industry, they are natural competitors. It's nice to have people who are in your same – not demographic per se, but like your same point in your career that if you're gonna close one and a half million, and that's a huge month for you because you're a rookie, but you find out that Ryan's closing 1.7, your competitive juices uh, kick in, and that's gonna force you to go and do the activities that you have been taught are necessary in order to turn yourself into a $2 million a month producer. Um, Looking back to, again, yourself almost two years ago now, what are some things that you did early on that
1: you would not recommend that you wish you didn't necessarily do? Um, well, there's, there's a lot, but, uh, you know, I guess it, it, it took me a little while to put systems in place as far as like lead follow-up systems, time management systems, that kind of thing. Um, and I wish that I had done that a little bit earlier on. Um, you know, obviously, you know, looking back, I could have met with, you know, more realtors reached out to my sphere, uh, more and, um, you know, not be so apprehensive to ask for the business. You know, that's one of the hardest things I think that people go through is, you know, they'll have a great meeting with, uh, you know, a business partner or a potential referral partner and they forget to ask for the business. And so, um, you know, looking back on it, there were some missed opportunities there and things that I could have done better, you know, to ask for the business and that kind of thing, as well as, you know, time management with, um, You know, several leads that I would get that um, I would spend so much time, you know, trying to make something work, you know, trying to pull something out of thin air. But, uh, you know, in reality, it's, you know, gauging, you know, if they want to buy a house or not, you know, what's their enthusiasm level. And if they're not willing to, you know, provide pay stubs or bank statements, you know, kind of the basic things, you know, then I shouldn't be, you know, spending so much time trying to qualify them elsewhere with that unknown, and if they're not enthusiastic about you know, wanting to purchase a home.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's great advice for any loan officer, but especially those newer in the business. I remember a gentleman by the name of Rob Mitchum was one of my first managers. And he said, Dio, you know what the best four-letter word in sales is? I'm like, what? F-? He's like, no, no, not that. It's a great <laughs> word, by the way, but no, not that word. He said, next. He said, this is something you need to say next to. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it's time for you to move on. He's like, the, the, you don't have a deal or you don't have buy-in from the from the client. It's time for you to move on because there's only so many hours in a day that you can work. Like you need sleep. You need to see your wife. You need to see your kids. You need to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, by the way, you're getting kind of chubby. You need to hit the gym. Uh, he actually told me that one day. Um, took me like three years. I finally listened. But um, yeah, so next. And, and I hear you say that. You're like, yeah, I, I was trying to slam a square peg through a round hole. I wish earlier on you understood there. You're saying you understood that concept. Um, Mm -hmm. how about some, uh, uh, advice? What's some good
1: advice that you were given early on in your career that you're grateful that you received? Um, you know, kind of going back to the systems thing. Um, you know, I did eventually, um, you know, probably sooner than others, but put systems in place that, um, you know, at the time I wasn't, Busy, you know, I wasn't doing many loans. I was, you know, new and stuff like that. So I didn't really see the need for a follow-up system because I only had, you know, three, four leads. But you know, putting that system in place so that when the business does grow and when you do start getting a lot of leads, you know, you can be organized and managed so that you're able to, you know, keep up with following up with every lead and uh, manage your time. You know, time blocking is is super important um, because. The day can get away from you and then you go home and you're like well what did i do today um you know so just mainly the systems um, putting them in place um as well as time blocking i think was great advice um you know that i received um you know just coming from the baseball world and stuff like that like being self-motivated uh try to go into work at the same time every day you know we don't have a set schedule so to speak we're not paid hourly you know it's on us so, you know, try to have as much of an organization as possible. Yeah, a routine. Right.
0: Right. I mean, that's, um, I was going to ask this question. Let the audience know, what is your schedule like? <laughs> um, so like, I, like? Like, what time do you get in typically? What time do you leave?
1: Yeah, so so typically, like, I, I wake up around um, 5.30 or so, and uh, I go to the gym and, and work out um, and then shower. I'm usually at work, you know, by... Um, And typically, you know, between 7.30 and 9 is is kind of my quiet time. You know, the the phones aren't ringing. um, You know, it's, I'm not necessarily being bothered with issues of the day. And I can really spend that time to work on maybe things from the previous day that I hadn't finished or work on, um, you know, pre-approvals, things that, um, you know, aren't so demanding to, you know, talk to people or that kind of thing. And then really from from 9 a.m. to about 10 or 11, uh, that's when I do my my follow-ups, like my lead follow-ups, and, um, you know, really blocking out that because if I were to put those lead follow-ups, say, later on in the day, chances are I'm not going to get to them. Yeah. And so I want to knock those out, kind of the first thing that I do. And then after that, um, you know, working on files and taking care of things that come up during the day. And I usually – I try to leave by, you know, 530 or so, um, sometimes it's a little bit later.
0: Yeah, but what I think is paramount to your success is you're predictable in every good way. We know here in the local Winter Park, Florida branch of Waterstone Mortgage, if you're in this office, which there's about 50 professionals in this this office, Casey McElroy is going to come to the office between 730 and 8 o'clock every day. He's not leaving until 5, sometimes 6, or even a little bit after 6 every single day. And when I look at the success that you've had so early on in your career, that is one of the um, shining stars that stands out the most is that you've become predictable in your schedule. You're working a full day, right? Even if you leave the office for an hour to go to, go to lunch, cool. Well, you're working eight to six, 7.30 to 5.30. You're putting in a day, a full day's work. When I look at those that struggle, I think they struggle because they take full advantage of this being 100% commission, I'm my own boss. And if they actually sat down and um, tracked the hours they worked, they would realize that it's rarely that they actually work a 36-hour work week or a 32-hour, let alone a 40 to a 45, which someone who's going to go out and, and do $2 million a month, $3 million a month, make commission checks, $20,000, $40,000 a month, that comes with a certain type of discipline. And I think that gets lost on, on many sales professionals who may have entered the industry because they were money motivated, but they failed to put together the action plan or the discipline necessary to actually achieve the, the type of money that they dreamt of when they, when they joined the industry. Um, how about this one? What did you close in 2019? Because you entered in January and you did about six weeks of training. So you really didn't really hit the ground until, let's say, March 1st. What type of production did you do? Did you light the world on fire?
1: (laughs) No, I was a pretty slow starter. Okay. (laughs) So it took
0: you how many months before you closed your first transaction?
1: I think my first closed transaction was in April.
0: Wow. So a solid, from from day one to first closing, you were four months. How long did it take you before you were consistently closing two to three loans a month?
1: Um, It wasn't till towards the end of the year. Um, i October, November, December, um, was when I was consistently closing two to three loans a month. Um, but I think I ended the year with a little over 4 million in, in volume. Um, you know, which
0: did that match your expectations? Like, were you expecting, you know, what, if I come in and I, I close 4 million in volume, I can make my 40, 50, $60,000 this year. Um, or did that, was that underwhelming? Meaning you didn't hit what you anticipated?
1: Um, it's kind of hard to gauge because, um, I didn't really set, you know, a volume expectation my first year. Um, you know, but after, you know, December, 2019, you know, looking back, it's, you know, one of those things you kind of have to, you know, wonder, you're like, okay, I did, you know, 4 million, obviously I want to do a lot more, you know, but what did I do that was, that was good, you know? And it was you know, building those relationships with, you know, those realtor referral partners, you know, earlier on that, you know, in 2020, I've seen that most of those relationships that I built then are, you know, coming into fruition now. So, you know, numbers wise in 2019, you know, probably underwhelming. But I think that, you know, as growing my business, it was you Know overwhelming as far as you know the relationships that I built.
0: Yeah, I think that's so uh, crucial for anyone who's tuning in to, to truly understand because, yes, if you looked at the four million, you're like, yeah, four million. The guy started in January, even if I give him the benefit of the doubt and say he spent six or eight weeks kind of learning the business and taking the Xenix course and listening to podcasts and reading books, he still had nine months, and in those nine months, he only closed four million. Mm-hmm but you're saying yes, but you had your eye on the big prize. And the big prize was understanding if you went out and forged relationships, real relationships with, with referral partners in your local real estate community, that that would allow you to go from 4 million to almost 24, you did $23 million in 2020. And that has a longevity behind it versus, um, let's say I was your counter, and instead of building those relationships, I was buying leads and I was buying leads. And look, I was spending a couple of grand uh, uh, a month and I was calling a hundred people a day. And well, I closed 9 million, I closed 10 million. The difference is unless I want to continue spending a couple of grand a month buying leads, unless I want to continue making 100 outbound calls and text messages and really working a, a lead system, then you know that's that it's just it's a it's two opposite ends of the spectrum and your way is my preferred way because i'm assuming you're not looking to do 23 million in 2021 what are your goals for 2020 for 2021
1: um my goals are to match or do better than what i did in 2020 okay um you know understanding the market obviously 2020 was an incredible year you know for interest rates and that kind of thing but you know my goal is to keep up that pace in 2021 and surpass it. You know what we didn't cover? What was your purchase to refi mix? Uh, my purchase to refi mix, I think was like 67% purchase. Yeah.
0: You know. 67% per- like that's phenomenal. Like there are many people in the year 2020, when they look back on their production, they're going to see that they're 80% refi. They were 65% refi. And we understand when you focus on refis, look, refis are great. Like they pay the bills, they help maybe buy the turbo edition of the new car we want and not the standard edition of, of the new car that we want. Maybe they allow us to fly uh, first class and not coach, right? Like refi years are phenomenal, but when it's when refinances are 80% of your year and rate, if rates tick up at half, half a percent, there goes your business you were able to do 67% purchase. I think that's, that's phenomenal. I think it's paramount for anyone who's listening or who, who is gonna watch this as encouragement to understand you focused on the end prize, which is building realtor relationships in order to, to have in a quote unquote refi year, 67% of your business was, was purchased, leaving 33% to, to, to refi. Was there ever a time over the past 23 months that you wanted to throw in the towel, that you wanted to quit? That you felt, you know what, this is just not for me?
1: No, um, there really wasn't. And I think, you know, I always, you know, relate everything to baseball and stuff like that. But, like, you know, when, when you commit to something, you know, you learn and you see, you know, people who have become really successful in what they did. And if you, you know, kind of mimic what they do, you know the end result. And so you know, you had told me, like, coming into it, you're like, look, your first year, your first two years is is tough, you know, it's really tough, but if you follow these systems, and, you know, do everything, you know, by the book, and, you know, work really hard, and everything like that, you know, it can be a really good career, and stuff, so, you know, even, you know, in the down times, or whatever, or, you know, when things were going really tough, you know, I still saw kind of the end result, and kept that in mind, and I was like, no, you know, I'm going to see this through, i can obviously see the light at the end of the tunnel and you know, I'm going to work, work through everything.
0: Yeah. Trust the system. Right. And I think that's um, a great takeaway is you need to a understand the system, but then B, once you understand it, you have to trust it. You have to buy into it, believe in it. And uh, when you're having a bad day, it's the understanding of the system that's going to allow you to continue moving forward, putting one foot in front of the other, because it's tough, right? It's, it's, it's not fun not being good at something and quite honestly your first year you're not even close to being good but at the same time i bet by may so you started in in january of 2019 i bet in may of 2019 you probably and correct me if i'm wrong you probably knew more about the mortgage industry than anyone you knew outside of the company you work for yeah right you go back to auburn university where you went to college you look at all of your teammates or the kids that you coached, you go to all of your friends that are either playing major league baseball or like you have washed out and they're looking for, you like how I called you a washout? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Slight slight dig. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who who have terminated their career and have moved on to um, a, a different career. Like you knew more about all of those people. You knew more about the mortgage industry, about all of those people. And I do my best that when we're coaching and we're mentoring younger professionals to let them understand that you need to walk with a bit of confidence and your chest puffed out because once you've been in this world for 90 to 120 days, especially if you've done some of the things that Casey did, which was, you know, you, you found a schooling system to teach you the basics and you read books and you listen to podcasts. Once you've been a student for 12 weeks, you know more than 99% of anyone else that you know with exception to maybe people like myself, who I've been at this for 16 years, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but there's the, the mortgage industry is such a small populace. um, I think it's just key for anyone to know that when they're new, because you're going to have rough times, you're gonna have rough days.
1: Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep that in mind of like, you know, when you're talking to people, it's like, wait a minute, they're not in this world. They don't know, you know, these types of things, which I would have no idea if i wasn't you know in the business and so like keeping that in mind and you know especially earlier on you know when i would go home like talk to my parents or something about things mortgage related even though i had just been in the business for 60 days they were like whoa you know i didn't know that or you know it it was a new world yeah no
0: i think that's that's paramount for anyone to know if you're going to enter this industry there there's going to come a point when you are apprehensive to go a hundred percent and you need not to be apprehensive you need to understand that as long as you've been a student for the past 60 90 120 days you now officially know more than 99 percent of the rest of the american populace start acting that way you know it, maybe you walk with trepidation because you do understand your wet behind the ears are a little bit green but you shouldn't be afraid to go out and and start Conducting yourself as a professional because you've done the work, you've done the due diligence, uh, you already have a couple bumps, bruises, and scars to prove it. So as we wrap up today's episode, any any lasting um, like words of encouragement, words of advice, like I'm I'm imagining someone's listening to this right now because they want to be the next Casey, right? They they want a career in the mortgage industry, they just don't know how. They don't know where to start or maybe they're like you but they've they've been at this for two or three years but they're not doing 80 plus units for 23 plus million i mean you told me earlier what's your january going to be like i think like 2.2 yeah two million dollars in january january is typically a slow month right so if you're able to do 2 million in january i'm going to guess you're probably going to do about 4 million in june and july right you're projected to do 30 million dollars in 2021 just based on where you are in your career, all of the legwork that you did in the type of year that you had in in 2020. So I'm listening to this. And I want some advice not from old man Dio right not from the has been uh, who's too far removed. But from someone who is in the trenches doing this, what would you tell me to tell
1: my son who wants to follow in your footsteps? Um, The first thing I would say would be to go into it 100%. You know, if you see it as you know, something that, okay, it's commission only, you know, I'm not paid hourly. I don't have to, you know, I set my own schedule. Um, you know, I can do other things. This is great for me to do, you know, a couple hours a day and then go play golf. You know, this isn't for you. You know, if you're going to do it, do it 100% and, um, you know, have that mentality of, you know, every single day is an opportunity. You know, you, don't ne- you never know who you're going to meet. You never know, you know, what's going to come across, you know, what opportunities may be there but you'll never know that unless you're not, you know, unless you're a hundred percent, you know, committed to it. Um, and, you know, learn as much as, as you can um, as well, you know, guidelines, things change, you know, all the time, you know, who could have predicted COVID, which, you know, changed how we underwrite loans, you know? And so it's learning as much as you can and going into it hundred percent. And I would say um, probably the most important thing for me and again, I learned this, you know, in baseball is that, you know, playing baseball, I had a ton of different coaches with different philosophies, you know, coaches that were, a lot of them played Major League Baseball for a long time, and but they would have different coaching, um, you know, philosophies or, or ways that made them successful. And so, you know, my goal was to, you know, take a little bit from each, um, each coach and apply that to myself. And it's no different in the mortgage world, you know, meet as many successful mortgage loan officers as you can. Learn what made them successful because a lot of them have different philosophies on you know, what made them successful. So take a little bit from each person and apply it to yourself. And then again, go at it
0: 100%. Awesome. Casey, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule. <laughs> I need to let you get back to your cell phone, back to your computer, because I'm sure you have a laundry list of prequels you have to knock out. Uh, He's Casey McElroy. He's with Waterstone Mortgage. He will be Waterstone's Rookie of the Year in the Florida region. And I know you're going to be a candidate for Rookie of the Year for the entire company. That's out of um, 225 total loan officers. Of those, we have about 30 rookies. Casey will be nominated as one of the top three rookies in the entire company. So kudos and congratulations. More importantly, that W-2 that you're going to get in a couple of weeks, that should be your biggest congratulations for all of your hard work. It's well-deserved, well-earned. Folks, if you like this format, if you want to consume more of what we're putting out, I encourage you, please like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram, Like us on LinkedIn, at the Loan Officer Podcast. If you want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Look me up, Dustin Owen. If you want to call me, go for it. 407-645-6363. And subscribe, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, or you can check us out on YouTube. He's Casey McElroy. I'm Dustin Owen. That's all we have for this episode. Have a great year. Deuces.